Hi friend, you are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, a podcast created especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. My name is Janelle Wood, and while I have a background in counseling and ministry with women, the truth is I've been through my own seasons of questioning my faith. So if you've ever struggled with not being sure where you belong, or you felt like you were faking faith, or maybe a friend just shared this episode with you and you are feeling a little wounded or skeptical of all things God-related right now, welcome. This podcast is just for you. Finding Something Real is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. My passion is Jesus Christ, and for me now, after having crawled through some real ups and downs on my own faith journey, I believe Christ is the hope and the answer to this world more than ever. But don't take my word for it. Listen to my friends as they share their own grace-filled journeys. My prayer is that if you haven't already, you'll find something real too. Well, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and I am so glad that you are joining us today. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Today is extra special because it is the start of season four, and it's going to be awesome. I wanted to start today by sharing a Bible story that has really become the inspiration behind this upcoming season. The story I'm about to share is recorded three times in the Gospels. It's where Jesus heals a paralyzed man. Uh, The story goes, Jesus was teaching in a crowded house, and some friends were carrying this man on a mat to get him to Jesus so Jesus could heal him. But they couldn't get to Jesus because the crowd or the house was too crowded. So instead of giving up, the friends carried their friend on a mat up to the top of the house roof. They create an opening in the roof and lower their friend on his mat to Jesus' feet. And if you're a visual person like me, the Chosen TV series has a beautiful scene where this is depicted, and I'll link that in today's show notes. But the point is, these friends were so certain that Jesus could help their friend that they did whatever they could to get their friend to Christ. And what's so beautiful and unique about this story in scripture is that it says that Jesus saw the faith of the friends and healed the man. Now, the reason this story inspires me as we're going into this upcoming season is because like those friends, I am so certain that Jesus offers healing to this world that I want to do whatever I can to share Christ with my friends who might be going through a season of feeling unsure about a relationship with him. And If you've been a regular listener to this podcast, you may know that sometimes I have a co-host who joins me for discussions with guests. My co-hosts are usually young women who may or may not have a personal relationship with Christ, but I love creating a place where they can ask hard questions about the Christian faith if they wanted to. And what I discovered over the past couple months is those episodes where those girls can join me are hands down my favorite episodes. And I think my love for young women and their personal struggles resonates with me so deeply because in some ways I've been there too. I've been through my own seasons of doubt and questioning and turning away and being hurt by Christians and being uncomfortable with certain beliefs I've been taught to embrace and feeling like I was faking faith sometimes. And I get it. I get it. Um, So I can relate with the person who's questioning But I'm here to say that through my own journey, I am more convinced than ever that Jesus Christ is the sole healer of this world. And I am passionate about sharing that message, that he alone offers restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. 
And if you listen to the podcast episode I did for Christmas with my four exchange daughters, my girls, you may remember that getting them to listen to my podcast, it's not something most of them do every week, except for Nora. Hi, Nora. (laughs) I love you. Um, So um, I threw out a different podcast format format to them when I spoke with them. I asked them, what if every month we had a different co-host, a co-host with a story? a co-host with sincere reasons why she's struggling with faith or questioning what she believes. And what if we decided an entire episode at the start of each month to, to introducing her and hearing her story. And then hopefully we were able to interview guests together, Christians with their own stories, especially the kinds of stories that connected with the co-host and her story. So we're going to be doing a bit of what I guess you could call spiritual connecting. If you're a Christian Please pray for the Finding Something Real team as we figure out all the logistics behind the scenes. But honestly, this is a format that I feel so passionate about. If you are a Christian listening to this, um, I'd ask that if you know a young woman who's struggling with faith-related issues, would you invite her to listen to this? I know it often takes trusted friendships to create an environment to talk about these topics. And if that person is your friend, they might trust you enough to listen. We're also inviting people to apply to be a co-host by going to my website, that's findingsomethingreal.com or janellewood.com, and clicking on Apply to be my co-host at the top of the page. Because I'll have just one co-host a month, and this season will last for um, at least the next year, hopefully, Lord willing, um, at which point we'll reevaluate things. We have limited spots available but we would love for people to apply. So all the information is over there on my website, and you can go check that out. Also, I'm excited to tell you that we are now on Patreon. If you don't know about Patreon yet, it's a way for a podcast to become financially sustainable through the monthly support of its listeners. And we want to do something special for those of you who choose to support what we're doing on Patreon. As I mentioned, our plan is to do one episode a month that's dedicated to introducing a co-host and her story. Then we'll take a few episodes and chat with guests who are sharing their own stories, as well as speaking directly to my co-host and her questions. And then, after all that, we're going to do a special bonus episode just between me and my co-host again, where we talk about what impact, if any, this experience and those conversations made on her. And that final bonus episode of the month will be available exclusively for our Patreon subscribers. So I hope you check that out. And again, you can find out all that info in the show notes. There will be a link over there. So long intro today, but hopefully uh, it was valuable to you. Today is a very special day. Like I already stated, we're launching a new season. We have a new Patreon page set up. Lots of cool things happening. If you want to be a co-host, you might get your chance. But most importantly, we have this month's co-host to welcome and chat with today. Today's co-host slash guest, we'll call her my guest today, um, is my friend. We've known each other for over three years now. She's a 25-year-old graduate student, but when I met her, she was doing incredible work with a local nonprofit, and I was instantly struck by her maturity and kindness. I remember connecting over a certain tattoo. I think it was on her wrist. Um, I'll let her tell you that story if she remembers it. Um, But I'm very excited to welcome to the Finding Something Real podcast, my friend, Tori Carpenter. Tori, welcome. 
Thank you. I feel so honored to be a part of this, Janelle. Thank you for thinking of me and asking me to do this with you. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for trusting me to come on here and share your story and share about your tattoo. Tell them about your tattoo, Tori. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I have a Hebrew tattoo on my left wrist and it's it's God's name in Hebrew, which is Yahweh. Yeah. So it's four little Hebrew letters. Yeah. And um, I also, funny enough, I also have another Hebrew tattoo on my other arm. Um, but I just lie. I have always liked the Hebrew language. Mm -hmm. And I spent some time in Israel too, which made me love it even more. Yeah. So. Well, and I was new to Shalan and I wanted to get involved in different things. So I thought, oh, I'll get involved with Thrive. I think Cindy, um, the president had reached out to me. And so anyway, Tori was working there and or you, or you were working there. And I remember um, going into the bathroom being like, oh, feeling like a little bit of a fish out of water because I didn't really know anybody. And then you walk <laughs> in, you're all put together, beautiful. And then I see your tattoo and I'm like, what is that? And then you shared and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a Christian too. <laughs> and we yeah. started talking about Israel a little bit and you were so passionate about it. And Anyway, it was really maybe cool. that's why maybe that's why we connected so well because I felt like I was a fish out of water too in a lot of ways. Really, because they they had just hired me and no one had been in that position before. They they created this brand new position and hired me and I had no idea what I was doing really. Well, and you were only twenty two, <laughs> so, right? Yeah, I was twenty two and they hired me to like build this big mentoring program and I uh, thought I could do. It. I did it, but at the time I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> well, <laughs> I figured it out as I went it, from the outside looking in. It, you were doing a great, amazing job. And uh, so <laughs> I was really impressed. I was like, oh, this is amazing. Um, so anyway, like I said, Tori, I'm so thankful that you're here today. I didn't mention that I, along, you know, the course of our friendship, I also have mistaken your sister for you. Um, that's because mm -hmm. you have an identical twin sister and sometimes you guys switch places and uh, your <laughs> friends <do>. are unsuspecting. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, you're not the first person to confuse us. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Oh, it was really awkward. <laughs> Actually, yeah. you know, it's funny. Jess and I joke, my twin sister's name is Jessie. And uh, we always joke with people that um, we answer to Tori and Jessie. So when I talk to people, I'm like, I answer to Tori and Jessie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, it was funny yeah. because it was at church. And so it wasn't even you guys switching places. But I remember going up and being like, hey, Tori. I'm Jesse. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have a lot of fun with it, but sometimes I guess, yeah, we have a lot of fun with it most, most of the time. Yeah. It's awesome. I've, I used to dream of that. I'd watch those movies, you know, and think that'd be so cool. Um, so anyway, Tori, you're here to share um, some of your story and I'm so excited. Uh, at the end of this, after we have this whole conversation, I'm going to ask you officially if you'll be my co-host for the rest of the month because I don't want to assume, um, although okay. I, I totally do. Um, but I would love for you to share some of your backstory. So we met when you were 22. Up until that point, tell me a little bit about who you were and and who you were at 22 years old, I guess. Gosh, yeah. Who was I at 22? Well, I grew up in a really strict, fundamental Baptist evangelical church. And uh, my parents weren't necessarily uh, super strict, but the church I grew up in was. So my whole entire upbringing was that background. And then I would say when I was like 18 years old, I started really thinking for myself and questioning some things. So by the time I was 22, um, I had probably, I would say I had deconstructed a lot of what I grew up believing. And uh, 
maybe it was question I, at that point I was still probably questioning a lot, but gosh, I don't know. At 22, I was, uh, would say I was this independent free thinker and I was trying to figure out who God was to me personally, not what people told me he should be. Yeah. Um, and I guess I was probably just smack dab in the middle of that journey. Okay. So what, what had people told you about God growing up? Oh gosh, how much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll keep it short, but I, uh, you know, I, I always felt, uh, growing up, I felt like God was this, uh, intense man with a disapproving heart. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had to be so careful because if I did one little thing wrong, he would not be happy with me and I would suffer in my life because of it. I was told that, uh, God, you know, I I mean, this gets a little into like a theological debate, but I was told that God sends certain people to hell Mm -hmm. and, you know, that gets into the uh, Calvinism doctrine and all that. Cause that's, I grew up Baptist, which is what they believe. And, uh, I was also told that, um, God created women to be submissive and subservient. And I was told that women couldn't be educated unless they wanted to educate other women. And uh, there was just a bunch of different things and it didn't really work for me. And I didn't like who that God was. And I, I felt, I kind of always felt like I didn't totally know who God was, but it, he, God couldn't be that because that did not ever make me feel good. And uh, it made me feel like I was inadequate and I was never enough. So that's who I was told that God was. Did you ever talk to like different people in your church or Christian people that you knew about those questions that you had? Yeah, I would, I would talk to youth pastors throughout the years and uh, leaders in the church. And some of them had, you know, very nice and, you know, politically correct answers for lack of a better word. Uh, some people just told me, well, we don't know what the answer is, but this is what the Bible tells us. So we just got to believe it. Mm -hmm. And um, then I also was told at times that it wasn't good to question. Questions were like witchcraft. And so I was also told that like some, like to not have questions. And, you know, I, I had one pastor growing up and he was really, uh, he was very, very, very like textbook Baptist. And there was one particular Sunday where he was talking about uh, predestination and that whole doctrine. And I just remember I had questions for him and I was asking him, well, you know, I understand why you think this, but there's also scripture and there's also verses that discount what you're saying. So maybe there's a middle ground or maybe you're wrong. And I remember he said to me, he goes, I've never forgotten it because it really frustrated me. He said, um, well, I under, I, he goes, I don't care what you believe, but if you don't believe this, you're wrong. Mm. And I remember thinking in that moment, it just really, it really frustrated me. And it made me feel like questions were terrible, but yet I had all these questions mm-hmm. and I always felt like I wasn't being heard and didn't, it just didn't work for me. Yeah. What, um, what didn't work for you? Just the, like, I, I don't know. I think you just described some of it, but, um, was it the feelings or was it, um, 
Was it like the things that you would read in the Bible or was it the way that it was being portrayed in the church? Which one was hard? Um, gosh, that's a great question. I think it was um, mostly the way it was being portrayed in the church. Some of it was the Bible. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just felt like they preached this religion and this this way of life that was so limited to such a specific type of person. And I, what, and I wasn't that, mm-hmm. you know, like it, women in the culture, the church that I grew up in, they, they were very, very pressured to get married at a, at a relatively young age and have children. And uh, I, I remember thinking like, I didn't necessarily want that route. Like I, I do, I would like to get married someday and have children, but I didn't want to do that young. I wanted to go to college. I wanted to be educated I had dreams outside of that and I was never told that those dreams were okay. Mm. It was always God created women to be mothers and that's what a woman's role is. And so like that didn't work for me because I, I felt like, well, the Bible says that God gives us the desires of our heart. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily have that desire at that time in my life. And so I remember thinking, well, I have these desires, so can I trust them or can I not? And I, I, I always felt like I had to disassociate from myself, my humanity, because I always heard that I was such a wicked, terrible person and that I needed a savior. So then when I had these desires and these dreams, I would feel like, well, I don't know if I can trust them Mm. because it might not be of God. Mm. So like that, that didn't really work for me either. Cause I didn't really want to let go of those dreams, but yeah, I was told they weren't right. Yeah. So. Did you ever have a moment where you, I mean, obviously you grew up in, in going to this church. Did you ever have a moment where you, you made, you know, you said the sinner's prayer, you had that conversion experience of coming to the Lord and, and asking God to like surrendering your life to him. Like, was it ever personal for you or was it always kind of out there? It was it was personal to me. I remember being a, a little girl. I was in grade school, and I remember being at a Sunday school and having like a moment where I, I knew that it was real to me. It was personal to me. Like Jesus was my savior, and uh, said you know the sinner's prayer, and uh, it and and I always felt I always felt like I had a close relationship with God. Like I, I always knew, I, I would say that through all my deconstruction and all the crazy stuff I've been through in my life, uh, even when I doubt and even when there were moments where I'm like, well, I don't know if any of this is real. I think deep down my truth has always been, I know that there is a good God who loves me. Mm-hmm. I don't know the details of everything else. I don't know what I believe necessarily, I don't know the nitty gritty of it all, but I, I do always, I've always known that there's a good God who loves me and who's with me. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about your dad. Yeah. So, oh, my sweet dad, he was last year on October of 2019, he was diagnosed with brain cancer and, uh, it was a crazy crazy day. I, I remember every detail about that day that he was diagnosed. And then it was a really aggressive cancer and the doctors, obviously we knew it wasn't, it wasn't a good prognosis. And then, uh, because of a crazy accident, he ended up dying three weeks later. He was having really bad seizures because of the cancer and, uh, he died three and a half weeks after his diagnosis. And 
man, up until that point in my life, you know, I'd already been questioning a lot and just really thinking like, what do I really believe? And mm-hmm. what's real? Like, you, you know, I, I think I love, I love being a part of this so much because your whole mission of this is finding something real. Like that's what my question has been the last in my adult years is what is real? I want to know what's real. Right. And then when he passed away, it shattered my heart and broke me. And I felt like, uh, my whole world crumbled and everything I believed, I just didn't even care to explore anymore. I kind of just threw it out the window. And then in addition to all that grief and trauma and shock, I was really hurt by Christians. Mm. And that, that for a long time, and even I still will say I have moments where I get so angry with Christians because they said stupid things. They said hurtful things some of them didn't show up at all. And it just was really disappointing Mm -hmm. in the middle of such deep pain and heartache. It was more let down. What did they say or do that was the most hurtful Tori? Um, so I had one person in my life who was, uh, very, very close to me. Tell me that, um, essentially my dad died because he didn't believe right. And I, it made me so angry when I heard that because I remember thinking, no, he died because he had brain cancer an insidious brain cancer. But this person just kept going. And, uh, she, she said that, you know, the unfortunate thing is that the cancer took his mind and he couldn't believe right. And, you know, like, we don't really know what he believed. and you know, had he had more faith, maybe this wouldn't have happened. And it just was really disappointing. And then right after he died, uh, a lot of Christians were, a few Christians in my life were texting me and telling me to uh, call him back from the dead. And that was just laughable to me because I couldn't at all entertain that thought. Like that to me was embarrassing, an embarrassing comment. And um, then after that, and the dust had settled a little bit, more comments like that would come and people would say, you know, like, we don't really know what he believed and, you know, like God heals. And if you're not living right, then mm. something was obviously wrong with you. And it, uh, it just makes me, it frustrates me to hear that. Cause it's, I don't believe that's true. I don't believe that's who God is. And yet that's what the Christians in my life were telling me. Mm. Yeah. I remember when that happened, uh, and it was so sudden and I mean, mm-hmm. um, I'm so sorry, Tori. I mean, <laughs> and you know, thanks. You know, it's, I, I've shared with a lot of people that, um, it's been a journey this last, you know, 12, 13 months has been very challenging, but also very rewarding. And there's been a lot of healing that's taken place. And I've learned and I've grown and I feel like I've healed from that loss. And it was, it's been tremendous, even though it's been painful. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh, here's another thing that uh, a Christian said that really hurt me. So like after he was diagnosed, ugh, another really close Christian in my life who I was in very, a very good relationship with, she was telling me uh, she had this vision 
that my dad was going to live to be an old man. And it was very detailed and it was very, it was, it was a very thoughtful vision that she had. And, you know, this woman is uh, a leader in a church and um, does missions work. Like she's the picture of Christianity and so when she sent me that message, I, uh, I felt like, yeah, like my dad's going to beat this. And I was in a really vulnerable place. And so like, uh, of course I, I hoped mm-hmm. and I held on to that. Um, and then she, you know, just said like, stay strong. Like your dad's going to be this, this is going to be fine. And then like two weeks later he died. Uh, and that, I, that felt like another, like such a tremendous letdown and yeah. Then, you know, then there's like the little comments where people will come up to me and they'll tell me, you know, he's in a better place and God needed another angel in heaven. And I just want to scream at them to shut up because that doesn't help. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do any, it doesn't serve me at all. And I don't want to hear that. Yeah. Were there Christians who did show up for you during that time? Yeah, there were. I mean, like Janelle, you showed up and I, you know, I think and it meant so much to me I remember the day that you drove to Ellensburg just to bring us food and you were there for probably all 10 minutes and then you drove back to Chelan and there were Christians that showed up. There were, um, absolutely. But there were also Christians that didn't. Mm -hmm. And then you'd already been kind of questioning some things. So, yeah. Yeah. And like the pastors that I had had, I, I had been in their church, uh, for five years, um, up until that, up until my dad's death, and my parents were very close with them. I faithfully went to their church. I faithfully gave to their church. I was a part of their ministry, and in the most literal sense, I have not heard from them since the day my dad died. And uh, it really just, it really, it leaves me speechless because they, they were my pastors. They were my dad's pastors. They were our family for five years. And I literally, I literally have not even heard from them once. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so yeah, I would say that like his death catapulted me into this crisis of faith of like, what do I believe? And I, I don't feel like this is loving or welcoming at all. There were, you know, I don't want to totally generalize that because like there were beautiful, like, you know, like you were such a beautiful friend to me through that whole process. And, it was remarkable. And, you know, the people that are in my life today are the people who showed up and some of them are Christians. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of people that I felt like our relationships were burned for sure. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, on behalf of (laughs) people who didn't show up, I'm sorry. Uh, cause I feel like, I mean, on the one hand, I see the same stuff, you know, I see, uh, hypocrisy and all that stuff. But then, uh, there's been times when I haven't been the one to show up, you know, and in your situation, uh, it was different. You know, I think God puts you on my heart. Uh, I, I had to show up. It was something that wasn't even a question. Mm-hmm. It was like, I, I gotta be there for you for even that 10 minutes or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But there have been plenty of times where I've been the person who just didn't know what to say and, and then withdrew, you know? And so, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, because that isn't Christ. You know, that's not what he would have done. Um, But tell me, tell me about the last 13 months, Tori. You said they've been growing. I know that you've kind of grown away from the traditional beliefs that you've, you've held. 
um, or that you were taught to believe. So tell me a little bit about that. And then tell me um, some of the questions that you have about Christianity that you, if you could get answered uh, or at least kind of wrestle with, um, it, you would find compelling. So, Yeah, sure. So um, the last 13 months have been, oh my gosh, it's been a roller, co- a roller coaster to say the least. Um, gosh, I, I really knew, I think that the first couple months after his passing, um, I just was in a daze and I wasn't thinking about anything other than how do I make it through today? Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't contemplate anything outside of that. Um, I just went back to work and school and just tried to survive. And then when the initial shock wore off, I would say probably about like February of 2020, a few months after he passed, um, I really wanted to heal. And I, I decided to start healing, whatever that looked like, because um, I just had so much pain and I had so much hurt and I, I didn't want that to rule the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to heal and I wanted to um, experience these wonderful desires that I have. And I knew that I would not experience them the way that I want to if I didn't start to heal. So I started counseling. I started um, just seeking help in a few different ways. And it kind of just started this journey. um, It was like this journey of self-discovery, I would say, of really the truth of who I am. And um, it's kind of funny to say that. And I don't even know if I'm, if I can fully explain this well, but cause like I grew up in a Christian church and you hear like, God loves you all the time. You're loved, you're good, whatever. And I think I just said it. I don't know if I actually like really believed it, but walking through that grief and learning to transform pain really, really revealed to me the truth, the truth of who I am that, um, I think I had had so much hurt in my life and disappointment in my life. And, and I would take things so personally and like his death felt personal. And like these people who would hurt me, it felt so personal. And the Christians who didn't show up, it felt personal. And really what healing from that grief and that pain sh- showed me was that it, when things like that happen, it doesn't really have anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. It's just people's past experience that they're projecting out. Um, and like when the people, like the Christians who didn't show up and I really wanted them to, you know, they, they probably just didn't know what to say. And not that that's an excuse, but it's an explanation. And I, I really learned to look at things differently and look at the world differently. And then when I got to that place of like, all right, like this, this doesn't have anything to do with me. Um, the, the truth of who I am is that like, if I really, I am created in the image and the likeness of God, I do believe that. Mm -hmm. And that must mean that I'm fundamentally desired and loved and beautiful and significant and worthy. So then when I got to that place, um, I started seeing God differently and Mm -hmm. it, it really made me question like some big fundamental things in Christianity, uh, that weren't really making sense to me. And it, it wasn't really adding up because I'd gotten to this place, like really, really, I reached this place that I would describe it as just pure freedom. Mm -hmm. Like I felt free of 
shame and disappointment and hurt and pain. And I felt like I had, had reached this ground where I was just in the presence of, and like I was fundamentally experiencing love and goodness and it took my dad's death to discover that. Um, so all that to say, when I, when I got to that place, I felt like I experienced God through the relationships of the people who showed up and through the hiking that I did as therapy to help me with my grief. And I experienced God in such a personal and tangible way mm-hmm. that I started just really wondering, like, are, are some of these things true? And, um, you know, like, like one big thing that I wrestle with, like, I guess we'll just dive yeah, into it, it, you know, it, just you know, like one, um, one really big thing that I wrestle with is eternal conscious torment. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it, man, I really struggle with that because I've experienced this beautiful, wonderful God. And I feel like everything reflects back to me, the goodness of a God who created this life and this world in such an intelligent way, a God who loves, who loved my dad and was with my dad in death and a God who is, who loves me and was with me in life without my dad. Like it was all goodness, even though it was like tremendous pain, I was experiencing this good God and I couldn't really rationalize a God who would eternally and consciously torment people because I started seeing people in a different way. Like everybody that hurt me has probably been hurt, like hurt people, hurt people. And so I was, I would get so angry and so mad at these people who let me down or disappointed me. And then I would realize, but wait, you know, like they've been hurt and the brokenness of mankind traces all the way back to Adam. So how could a God send those people to hell, you know? And like, I really wrestle with that. I, I really struggled with that. And um, another thing is I I feel like I reached this place where I just was um, really encountering a God who was so good. And I was a reflection of that. So um, like I would look at the good things in myself that I loved about myself. Like I feel like I'm very loyal and I'm very kind and I, I really admired, I started admiring things in myself and I would ask myself, well, I don't think this originated in me. And obviously these originated in a, in a God that I was created by. And so it kind of begs the question, like, are we bad? Mm-hmm. Like I lived my whole life believing that everybody's desperately wicked and deceitful about all things and we're totally depraved. And it didn't really make sense to me either because I, I, I feel like that's not the truth of who I am. The truth of who I am is that I'm so beautiful and so desired and good. And then it got me thinking, and then I would go down that rabbit trail and I would think about, you know, if, if God is good and if God cannot become anything that's not good and God became human think humans must be good. But yet I, I heard growing up so many, so many times that we are fundamentally and inherently evil, but yet God became human and God can't become evil. So how do you, how do you rationalize that? And how do you justify that? You know, and, 
um, then I would look at like a beautiful little baby and I would think, well, there's nothing, ter- there's nothing bad in that perfect infant. How, how is that human evil and bad? And so then it got me questioning like our inerrant goodness. Like I, I really think that we might be inherently good <laughs> as crazy as that sounds. And, um, yeah, gosh, just, I wrestled with some, some big things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I those are great. Um, to, you know, have conversations about, and we will, I'm sure as we go on, but, um, just for this conversation, this one right here, um, am am I correct in saying that one of your other questions is biblical authority? Because I know like there's obviously you just quoted a scripture, uh, you know, about the heart is deceitful above all things. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, have you read through the entire Bible? I'm guessing at some point you did. You know, I, I I think yes. I it's been piecemealed and I haven't read it in order, but yes, in my life I've probably read all of the Bible. Yeah. So if we were to add another question on top of that, it might be about biblical authority. Would that be Yeah, yeah. definitely. I definitely question that too. You know, like I, I think that I think Christianity in general, certainly what I've experienced, it's uh they preach and preach like Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, Christians would tell you, evangelicals would tell you that it's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And yet we, I think, as a Western church, have gotten more focused on Father, Son, and Holy Bible. And um, yeah, I, I definitely wrestled with that because then I also think my mind goes to, well, for the first, I don't know, however many years, 500 years or whatever, the early church didn't have the 66 books that we have now. Like there was no, that wasn't compiled. And so we put that together, human fallible human beings put that together. And now we've just totally made it holy and unbreakable. And I don't, I don't know. Like, I think that at the end of the day, it was written by humans who make mistakes and like that person who told me and had that vision that my dad was going to live. Um, she really believed that she heard from God and she, she really believed she had a word from the Lord and mm-hmm. he died. So it makes me wonder like, what if that happened in scripture? You know, like what if somebody didn't have it all correct and yet we've just carried it and deemed it as absolute truth. I don't know if it is. Yeah. I'll ask you a couple of final questions here and then we'll wrap up for this conversation because you've brought up a lot of good material. I mean, we could be talking all year, but I think we'll try to do it. um, uh, Tell me about your relationship with Jesus now because I know you, we had a private conversation um, not too long ago and, and you gave me permission to, you know, at least mention stuff that we've talked about privately, but you mentioned that you you don't feel like you're super close to Christ right now. Um, mm-hmm. So, so just tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think I'm just in this place where I, I love the story of Jesus. I, it's a beautiful story. And I love, I love the teachings of Jesus. I think there's so much truth in it. Um. I think right now where I'm at is it seems like maybe we've as a Western church created this system where we just like, Oh man, this is going to sound crazy, but like we, we, um, 
just idolize a man and it kind of seems like we've made Jesus out to be this narcissistic, egotistical man who just needs worship. And that like, we have to follow him above all else. And I know that sounds maybe heretical, but um, I think we've maybe missed the message of Jesus. Like what if the message of Jesus was not follow me and everything I say and do, but uh, rather what if it's, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And I'm just here to like tell you that, that you are created in, in the image and likeness of God. Um, I do believe Jesus was divine. I, I love the story of Jesus, but yeah, I just, I struggle with it. I think I'm just in this place where I, I struggle with Jesus. I love Jesus. Like I love the story of Jesus, but the Jesus that I grew up with seems to be this, like I said, this narcissistic egomaniac who needs my worship in order to um, have this perfect system. And in order for my eternal salvation, I have to worship a man and it doesn't really seem right. Maybe. Um, yeah. So well, Tori, you've given me a lot to work with. I got to tell you. <laughs> Gosh, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> you weren't cut out for you. Oh now. man, I'm sitting here thinking, oh man, uh, I mean, I could, this, this episode, for those of you who are listening, just so you know, um, I wanted it to be a very safe place for Tori to share her story. Um, uh, obviously I don't agree with every conclusion that you're drawing yeah. right here, right now, but I think it's important that people can hear. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's important that they hear your story. I think it's important that you have a voice to share where you're at and um, what path you're on right now and to just be real about that. Um, I love that we're going to find something real together, I hope. Do you want to still be my yes. co-host for this? Oh, absolutely. The guests that we have on may not be as easy as me. I'm just going to tell you right now. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but I think, I think it will be a, a loving conversation, um, whoever comes on here to chat with us. And um, I do want to ask a favor, though, and we didn't talk about this beforehand. Um, I know uh, that you love to read. Um, I believe that yeah. about you. Um, and I know that what we read influences where we go, you know. And as we're doing this journey, I'm just going to ask you, um, since you've given me three questions to now go and try to find people that could actually address some of these. Mm. And uh, just so you know, this will be next week. But for me, we're recording this in early January. I've got a lot of work to do behind the scenes. Would you do something uh, just as a compliment to this journey? And would you read um, Ephesians and John and Luke? Um, those are short books for, of the Bible. I know you're in school and you got a job and all that stuff. You are still in school, right, Tori? You still? I am. Okay, yeah. okay. I'll graduate in March. Okay. But so you could do those and then yeah. read those. And then one other thing I'm going to encourage you to listen to, um, and I've already sent, I think, this link to you, but I've been listening, and this goes for anyone listening to this as well, you guys. So you may remember Josh White was on the program, the pastor from Portland, opened the church, um, I always get it wrong, the Door of Hope Church um, in Portland, Oregon. Just fantastic episode with Lika. We just replayed it in January uh, because it's one of my favorite episodes. But um, he mentioned, um, 
how he was just doing this. Uh, he had come to the Lord, but then he felt like he had to prove himself. Um, and it was just awful. <laughs> he was telling me and Lika and whoever was listening, um, that his wife thought he was worse than before he came to Christ because it was just, you know, <laughs> workspace. I mean, it was just awful. And he had listened to this sermon series by a guy named Charles Price, um, who was, uh, I think the head of Cape and Ray Hall in England. Um, and I don't know if he still is, but it was a sermon series from Cannon Beach Christian Conference Center from July 2000. And I have re-listened to that Josh White episode quite a few times because I just really, really enjoyed that conversation. Um, but then I went and I listened um, to this series by Charles Price. And Tori, I don't know if you will agree on the spot to this, but I would love for you to listen to this Um, because I've been a Christian now for, and I don't even want to tell you how old I am, but you know, like 37 years almost. If I say, you know, I give my heart to the Lord when I was two, Uh, we're getting close to 40. Um, But uh, you know, I, I've wanted to follow Jesus. As I've mentioned, I've gone through my own ups and downs. Um, but I listened to the sermon series and I have never, ever heard it described like this guy, uh, goes through. He's in the book of Romans, which is one of the hardest books to talk about. It talks a lot about God's wrath and his, uh, you know, the sinful nature and then, uh, God's goodness. But it's about, I want to say like five or six, uh, little, uh, sermons and, I was listening to this and I don't want to give it away, Tori, but it was amazing uh, how he described what God did for us in the atonement, which I know uh, was another one of your questions that maybe we'll talk about, um, uh, you know, (laughs) as well. uh, That question of, uh, you know, was that, you know, child abuse? Was that God uh, being wrathful and throwing that on Like, you know, why did Jesus have to die? And, uh, so anyway, I, I just would encourage you, uh, to listen to that. And especially as we prepare, can I get your agreement for the books of the Bible? Would you do that for me? Yeah, absolutely. And I would love to listen to that series too. Oh my gosh. If you send me, if you send me the link, I'll send you the link. It's a little bit of a rabbit trail. Cause you know, nowadays you can just go to a link and it's these, you have to go to the link. You have to type in the name, you got to find it. And then you got to like make an effort. But he's, um, you know, he has this great accent and he's funny. And so it's an easy listen. But um, yeah, I will send it to you, Tori, because uh, some of the things you're sharing are things that I've wrestled with for sure. And uh, mm. when he was talking about the exchange and what uh, God's justice and his love did for us on the cross, I was just like, oh my gosh. And Charles Price, if you ever listen to this, I really, really would like for you to come on the program. <laughs> Because I just was like blown <laughs> away by how he described uh, the atonement, um, which yeah, I would love to listen to that because that's definitely something another thing that I really yeah. Question. Real quick, tell me about that too because I'd love to have that down so we can we'll we'll add that to yeah. one of the other questions. Okay, yeah, sure. So I I just struggle with the idea of the penal substitutionary atonement theory, um, meaning you know Jesus was this. Uh, scapegoat and uh, that God turned his face on Jesus and that Mm -hmm. Jesus was abandoned at the cross. Like it, that doesn't, to me, that, that theory doesn't 
support a good God. Yeah. And I don't like the idea that like our sin at the cross could separate the Trinity. I, I don't like, I don't like that. It doesn't make sense to me. And so, um, that I struggle with that. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, we've got, we've got some things to talk about. So moving forward, um, how this will work is behind the scenes. I'll be reaching out to some people that I think would make a good match to some of these questions, people that I already have on my radar or who I've been researching, looking and like stalking. And, um, and oh, man, they're going to think I'm a heretic. <laughs> oh, no, they're not. They're going to, they're going to love you. They're going to, they're going to love you. I hope. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then we'll have these great conversations and then we'll come back and we'll see what impact, if any, they made and, uh, on your, your beautiful journey. And, um, let's see, I think there's a final question here. The finding something real podcast is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. I believe those are things that in their truest form are found in Jesus Christ. Because I, I will totally admit that I uh, he's my all in all. But if you had to pick one uh, that is the most compelling to you, Tori, the thing that you most desire most in your life from God, even if you don't believe it all right now, what would it be? Restoration, eternity, authenticity, or love? <sighs> that is a good question. Um I think I would say what I desire most is, oh man, it's probably a dead tie between authenticity and love. I really just desire both of those things. Yeah. I'd love to encounter uh, t- like the the truth of those things, you know? Yeah. Well, Tori, I'm excited. I'm Thank excited you. because I, I, yeah. Anyway, uh, all right, friend, uh, don't stop listening today. You got to come back for some people that can uh, share with us and, and talk. No, with I'll us. be back <laughs> <laughs> for sure. All right. Until next time. Thank you, friend, for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is a grace-filled, Christ-centered podcast for those who are wandering, wondering, or simply needing to be encouraged in their faith journeys. I hope you'll come back next week when I'll most likely be sharing a conversation with another guest about their journey towards finding something real. And if you're on Instagram, please come find me. On Fridays, I share Instagram Live podcast recaps at 11.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you're over there on the gram, you can join me for some fun live awkwardness. And finally, if you're someone who was encouraged by today's podcast and you have friends who would benefit from hearing the story shared here, would you go ahead and share? You can do that by hitting subscribe, leaving a review, or sharing a link. Your telling others about this podcast helps bring other people along. And finally, just so you know, if you only remember one thing about this podcast, I hope it is this. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus Christ loves you, and a real relationship with Him is a treasure trove of restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. He's offering that gift to you today. I pray you believe it.